I'm an ex-alcoholic, drug addict, criminal, hustler, womanizer, fighter, liar, manipulator, player, drug dealer, thief, abuser, hypocrite, and a worldly confused individual. My name is Ben Lively. I'm not who I was before. I'm a born-again child of the Most High God, anointed, chosen, set apart, and called to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach Christians the truth of God's word. I'm a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not compromise, play any games, or waste time with this mission from on high. I know that in and of myself, I am nothing. I need God for every breath I take and every move I make. I have Christ living in me, and I'm burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm different now and forevermore. This earth is not my home. I know that, and I declare it boldly. I'm strong in prayer, praying in power, and in the Spirit. I will preach, teach, deliver, evangelize, prophesy, baptize, and build up groups of believers as God allows. He is working through me as I'm surrendered to His service as an instrument of righteousness. And if you know me or get to know me, you'll realize that I take no credit for this, but God gets all the glory. In Christ I live, and to heaven I will rise. Thank you so much for tuning in, and welcome everyone. Hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake episode number 12. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing this very moment. And listen, if you have uh, and find any value in today's episode, please pass the news. Pass the, uh, the podcast name and link to a friend or a family member or a colleague that you feel would benefit from the show and become blessed as you are through the words that the Lord shares through these messages. It's probably one of the easiest things you can do to spread the word. Just pass the resource on and let God do the rest. And just a note, if you haven't checked the show out yet at www.shaken-awake. Dot com. Please do. It's got uh, all the podcasts, a transcript of each, along with some other items. Also, please connect with the show via LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and uh, and Twitter with more great avenues and channels to follow. Just helping to spread the message even further. And I'm using those channels to provide even more messages throughout the week. So uh, please check them out if you get the chance. Also, looks like in addition to Canada... Brazil, the United Kingdom, and Germany, God has added Australia to our growing list of listeners from other countries. So welcome aboard, Aussies. Glad to have you with us and joining us. Also, some exciting news. I have a brother, Ethan, a new friend in Christ and a guy in Oklahoma that loves and serves the Lord daily with all his might. One that has a phenomenal story and one that requires sharing and giving God the glory for. He'll be my first guest on the show in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to uh, getting that set up and also setting up others to be a part of the show, along with any of you listeners who would like to be as well. God's news needs to get out and he uses us, people like you and I, to do his work and give him the glory and the praise, and this is exactly what we're going to do. You're going to really enjoy meeting Ethan and hearing his story. More to come on that in a couple of weeks. And as always, I promise you another uh, great show, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual 
encounter with the Lord. He's always right there with you, even when you think he's not. So let's get ready to uh, invite him in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to our uh, heart and minds. So here goes. Here is today's topic. Uh, Stop looking for the world to provide you what God can give you this very moment. The point of today's episode that I really want to hit home for all of you is the one that God revealed to me within the past couple of years that I had been completely blind to my entire life. My eyes and mind and heart concealed and blinded by the hands of the enemy. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me that so many like me have been and are being led astray by the enemy and tricked into believing and placing emphasis in our daily lives on the scene but not on the unseen. It's a topic that he's placed in front of me to speak with you on today. So let's get deep into the word today and see what God and his word says and discuss how it impacts us and equally as important, how we can learn to recognize what God provides, but also how the world deceives. So I grew up believing in God. I grew up believing in Jesus. I grew up believing in the Holy Spirit. I believe in John 3.16, as we all should. I believed that one day I'd get to heaven, which was due to my belief in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. I believed in God's grace and love and the gift of salvation. I believed that if I asked for forgiveness for my sins, they'd be forgiven. I believed in the stories I was told growing up. You know, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the uh, fiery furnace. David and Goliath, Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected three days later by God. The rapture, tribulation, Noah's Ark, Moses in the Red Sea, Pharaoh in the plagues, right? So if I look back over the past 40 plus years, that summarizes my Christianity and religious beliefs, more or less, okay? So if you've ever listened to my testimony in episode one, and believe me, there will be much more shared in coming episodes that'll provide greater detail as to just how lost and unsaved I truly was and how great God's mercy and love is. And you know, I went to church as a kid, went to a private uh, Christian school and was brought up in the quote unquote church. I wasn't oblivious to scripture entirely, nor was an atheist. I believed point blank. However, After my Paul-like conversion, as I like to relate to it as, I was given more gifts by the Holy Spirit and more prophecy and revelation by God and the Holy Spirit that removed the uh, scales from my eyes, cement from my ears, and, and just a rock around my heart and mind. It's when he showed me that even Satan... And his fallen angels, more appropriately uh, named demons, are not atheists either. For God reminded me through a sermon he led me to watch in the middle of the night not too long ago that there are stories of demons praying to Jesus and Jesus answering their prayers. Yeah, same reaction I had, huh? What? Yeah, right. Prove it. (laughs) It's been there in front of our noses and eyes among millions of other hidden jewels and precious revelations our entire lives. And since the Bible was written over 2,000 plus years ago, it's been there in Luke 8, 26 through 33 from the New Living Translation Bible. 
Uh, Jesus heals a, a demon-possessed man. So, uh, verse 26, they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. Okay? So, for a long time, he had been homeless and naked living in the tombs outside of the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Son of the Most High God, please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put into chains and shackles, he simply broke out of them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under this uh, demon's power. So Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he's filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hill uh, hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So uh, in verse 33, so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. So one revelation God and the Holy Spirit instantly showed me was that there was very little difference between demons and who I used to be. Let's quickly compare. They believed in Jesus, check. They acknowledged him as the son of God, check. They were feel fearful of him, check. They recognized his ability to have 100% control of them and their destiny, check. They realized that he was the only one that could listen and answer their prayers. Check. They cried out to Jesus and made their request known to him with all their might. Check. He answered their prayers. Check. So how differently or different were they from me? In fact, and this is a personal revelation, on some days, I think they had more faith and devotion and obedience to Jesus than I did. So when I swallowed my pride, or rather God removed it, that was the realization and truth that was given to me. It didn't matter if I accepted it. It was true. It doesn't matter if I accept that two plus two equals four. It's true, whether I believe to accept it or not. The, the, the point and moral of this one example, and believe me, there are thousands upon thousands of examples, is that God that we claim to serve even provides for the lost. He's the only one that can provide us with our true needs. He provides what the devil cannot. In other words, in, in just as equal words, only he can provide us what the world cannot. However, and with that said, why then did I, do we, look to the things of the world for the things we want and often need rather than seeking God? Why do we believe that there are solutions in the world or problems when the only creator and savior has the true answers and the solutions to every man-made problem and every evil-born problem that's ever existed? Why do we look for the answer and help from others and in vices instead of the one who gave us life and provides the only gifts and treasures we'll ever want and need, which can never be destroyed, stolen, or rust? It's because we see, feel, and touch the things of this world. But wait, that's not really faith then, is it? Faith is the belief of things not seen. Faith is the belief that God 
will provide regardless of what we may be going through. So if we aren't relying on him and him alone for our source of happiness, uh, joy, peace, provisions, human and spiritual bread and water of life, then what is our faith truly in? Ourselves, the world, other people, uh, uh, our finances, our jobs, our health, our family, our own abilities, our own strengths. So when I wanted to relax and have fun, out came the alcohol, always in stock and ready to go. When I wanted to rest and call out sick from work and do nothing all day, when I wanted to look better and attract people and feel extra good about myself, I'd go through drastic measures to lift weights, constant cardio and starvation methods. When I wanted things, which was always, I'd find a way to buy them. When there weren't enough, I'd find a better paying job. The things bought were never enough. I had to have more and just to keep up with the lifestyle required more and more and more of my stress. For what? That then became an excuse and justification to go back to the bottle. So the devil in this world and me allowing it caused this vicious cycle of unholy living. I'd look for the ways and the things of this world to create my own little world within. My own little comfort bubble, my shelter from the bad, my own private paradise, but it was anything but. I rarely play, uh, prayed, but I, I feel that Satan had me in his grips so that the world around me was a seemingly less and endless sea of opportunity and possibilities, right? So everything I always thought I wanted and needed was on the other side of my current situation, which left me wanting and reaching out for more in just about every area of my life. Is this resonating with any of you? Be honest and still with yourself for a moment. Does this sound at all familiar to you in your life before listening to this today? I'm not, I'm not insinuating anything, but if the shoe fits, kick it off. I want that small rock thrown into your shoe. So the devil had provided somehow a rock from ever getting into my shoes until God showed up. God's now thrown several handfuls of rocks into my shoes over the past few years. And I am so thankful for him doing that. It's in these moments he's shaken me awake. He's loosened the grip and removed all my chains. He's shown me that the world is against him and that he is against the world, that anyone who loves the world despises him and, not, and, and cannot love him. I disagreed with that my whole life because I was blinded by Satan's lies and deceptions. So God pointed me to his James chapter four, and this is going to come from the New Living Translation. You can choose whatever version of the Bible you'd like. They all say the same thing, guys, just in a different manner. So drawing close to God. So in verse one, uh, it states, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers or adulteresses, and adulterers to mean any anyone that has passions for uh, things, okay? Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? 
I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. In verse six, and he gives grace, uh, grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Verse nine, let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. And, 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 and here's a warning against judging others in verse 10. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job's to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Verse 12 states, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? And the last part of that chapter is warning about self-confidence. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we'll do business there and make a profit. Verse 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to be here, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Last verse, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So these examples and corrections and, and rules are but fractions of fractions of fractions of what God tells us in his living word, the Bible. But what do we know of it? What do we believe of it? What do we practice of it? What do we make important from it in our lives? Who do we truly serve? Us in the world or God? Now I'll ask you again, does this resonate with you? Does this hold any meaning to you? Forget for a minute what you thought or didn't think of in terms of what we're talking about as of, say, yesterday. Talking now, right now, what are, you, what, what, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's God's word telling you? It's not about what I say on this podcast. It's about what God says. He is always and forever, past, present, and future, always right, always perfect, always knowing, always powerful. He cannot be or do wrong. So these things he speaks are not for him. They're from him for us. Why would we take tomorrow's weather forecast or the polls or the statistics on COVID more seriously and with more intent and seriousness than we do with the living word of our own God? We've been so cocooned in our own living, in our own little worlds. How much of our daily lives are we giving to the one, the only one who deserves everything we have? It's the one who gave everything he had for us. The one who loved us before the world was formed. The one that knew how little we deserved anything but hell, but he gave his life so that we wouldn't have to give ours. If, if we accept him as our Lord and savior and actually live for him and die to ourselves, we cannot serve two masters. It's either God or what you replace God with. There are no exceptions. 
You may not like to hear it stated that way, but it doesn't make it any less true than when God said it. Don't believe me. Believe God and his word. The world offers the things of the world. It's not heaven as it is on earth. It needs to be earth as it is in heaven. That starts with God and ends with God and has you and I smack dab in the middle to make that work. The world offers false hope. The world offers false sense of security. The world offers disappointment. The world offers worldly pleasures. The world offers disease. The world offers racism and division. The world offers mind-altering and mood-altering substances. The world offers temporary happiness that only lasts for one period of time. The world offers distractions from God. The world offers opportunity for more worldly things. The world offers deception to believe that you do not need God to live. The world offers the ability to obtain lots of money and financial success. The world offers the idea that we should live for it, not for the next and final home that we'll dwell in for eternity. The world offers a scapegoat from God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, everlasting life, salvation, God's living word, eternity with him in paradise. The world offers everything that's not right with heaven and everything that's right with the world and hell. So here's what God offers. And coincidentally, it's what we're all truly after anyway, except we can only find it permanently through and in him. So what does God offer? Well, the Bible answers that question in dozens of ways. Love, peace, joy, uh, freedom, forgiveness, life, rest, heaven, to be part of a family. Who wouldn't want that? God has promised so many gifts for his children. Here are just a few, each of which, by the way, can never be given by the world. Here's some gifts from Romans 5. We're justified by faith. In verse 1, we have a right standing with God because we've been declared righteous before him. This is a, a legal verdict, and it includes pardon from the guilt and penalty of sin, imputation of our sin to Christ's account, our sins no longer counted against us, Christ's, uh, Christ's righteousness credited to our account and God declaring us righteous solely on the merit of Christ's righteousness. Also, uh, peace with God. We're no longer God's enemy. John MacArthur states so well, God has declared himself to be at war with every human being because of man's sinful rebellion against him and his laws. But the first great result of justification is that the sinner's war with God has ended forever. We have access to the Father in verse 2. The access that was unthinkable in the Old Testament is now made possible through Jesus Christ. We can stand before God in grace in verse 2. In God's saving grace, we enjoy a permanent, secure position. We also have sanctifying grace, sustaining grace, enabling grace, and suffering grace. Our, our position is not based in our own performance, but in God's. We have the hope of glory. Uh, of God in verse two, hope does not speak of uncertainty, but of something that is certain, but not yet realized. Our ultimate destiny is to share in the glory of God. We have suffering, uh, suffering and tribulation in verse three. Trials are the pressure that just like a juicer produces a sweet juice of perseverance, endurance, character, and hope. This gift comes especially as a result of our relationship with Christ or because we choose to do right. We have the love of God. In verse five, it's lavished on us. It's overflowing in us. 
Understanding his great love for us will result in overflowing love for him. We also have the precious Holy Spirit in verse 5. He lives in us. God has given us a spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.5. 5. The Holy Spirit convict, convicts us of sin, comforts us, and makes Christ known to us, teaches us the truth, and guides us. We're also saved from God's wrath. In verse 9, Christ bore the full fury of God's wrath against us and our sin. We're also reconciled to God. Formerly, we were separated and alienated from God, but we're now brought to a state of right relationship with him. Here are some additional gifts from Ephesians. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. We're adopted into God's family. God's our father. We are children of God with a new nature and a new family relationship. We bear God's likeness. We have redemption through his blood. So this is a word picture from the ancient slave markets. A redeemer paid the necessary ransom to purchase the prisoner or uh, slaves released from bondage. And we can sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. In verse seven, forgiveness of sins. In the words of another song, my sin, oh, the bless of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Forgiveness leads to joy. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. That's Psalms 32, one. And 1 John 1, 9, because of the blood of Jesus, God is faithful to forgive us our sins, past, present, and future. We also have a purpose for living. We exist for the praise of his glory. And, and gifts that are revealed in some of the other scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we have the righteousness of Christ. Christ's righteousness comes in exchange for our sinfulness. Christ in you, he's our hope of glory. And the perspective of our lives is no longer I, but Christ. We've been given life in 1 John 5, 11 to 13. We have eternal life, which speaks of its quantity, the length. And we have abundant life, which speaks of its quality. We're spiritually alive because we are in relationship with Jesus, partaking of his life. We also have mercy. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. We will experience his unmerited mercy throughout our entire life. In, in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, we also understand that we have the peace of God. Who doesn't want peace? God's peace, which comes as a result of prayer, stands guard in our hearts and minds. We also receive joy. Psalm 16, 11, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9, 4, 13 and 14. In God's presence, there's fullness of life, fullness of joy. Far more than earthly happiness, we receive exceedingly, sorry, exceeding joy, a joy that's not based on circumstances. There's even joy as we endure trials of our faith, partaking in Christ's suffering and reproach. In Romans 6, 6 to 23, we have victory over sin. We're freed from the power of sin. When we reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin, crucified with Christ, and yield our bodies to God as instruments of righteousness, we are no longer under the dominion of our flesh. We're also in the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 to, 12, uh, 12 to 27 and Romans 12, 5. We instantly have countless 
brothers and sisters in the family of God and are members one of another. We also have spiritual gifts in Corinthians, 1 Peter, Romans, Ephesians, many verses. It states every believer has one or more spiritual gifts which are to be used to glorify God and edify the body of Christ. We have future glory in Romans 8, 17 to 18. As heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, we will be glorified in heaven. We have two great intercessors, Hebrews 7, 25, Romans 8, 34, and Romans 8, 26. Jesus intercedes for us in heaven and the Holy Spirit intercedes within us. We have the power of God, Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. We begin to understand how God uses his exceedingly great and mighty power on our behalf. We have prayer. Hebrews 4.16, Philippians 4.6, we're encouraged to come boldly unto the throne of grace and to let our request be known unto God. Remember, oh, what peace we often forfeit when we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We have wisdom. Proverbs 2.6, James 1.5, Man may have knowledge, but true wisdom comes from God. He enables us to see from his perspective. Want more wisdom? Ask of God. We also have a home in heaven. John 14, 2-3. Christ right now is still preparing a place for us in our Father's house. We have freedom from fear. Psalms 23:4. God's presence makes all the difference in the world because God was with him. The psalmist said, and I will fear no evil. We have no condemnation. Romans 8.1, while the law condemns, there is no condemnation in Christ, our deliverer. We have an advocate. 1 John 2.1, Revelation 12.10. We have a defense attorney in heaven. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous Jesus defends us against the prosecution, Satan, who accuses believers day and night. We also have future rewards, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15 and 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Rewards will be given for faithfulness and for service. We have the presence of God, Matthew's, uh, Matthew 28, 20, Hebrews 13, 5. His loving presence is continuous. I am with you always. The changeless Christ will never leave or forsake his own. We have the word of God in Psalms 119, 105, John 17, 17, and John 15, 3. Not only is the precious word a light to illuminate our path, it also sanctifies and cleanses us. We have provision. Psalms 37, 25, the psalmist said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God's provision is expressed in a powerful church hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. We have guidance. Psalms 23.3, David said, he leads me in paths of righteousness. All we have to do is follow and obey. We have protection against the enemy. Psalms 121, 1 through 8, and Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. God who never sleeps and is always watching over us gives us his armor for protection and his presence preserves us from evil evermore. God gives us victory over Satan. We also have all spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He restores my soul and yours. In Psalms 23, 2-3, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We also receive a full inheritance. That's in Peter, Ephesians, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Christians will receive an inheritance that is imperishable and it's kept in heaven. We're kept by God. Psalms 121, 5-8, 1 Peter 1, 5, and Jude 24. God's power will keep us from all evil. We have life and godliness. In 2 Peter 1-3, God's power gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. And great promises. We have 2 Peter 1-4 that tells us God has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them, you may become partakers of this divine nature. So it's tragic that many people miss what God's offering. You know, often we we simply ignore him. Uh, sometimes for weeks or even years at a time. Sometimes we, we take for granted the good things he gives us without stopping to think whether there's more to life. You know, some, some of us thought we were enjoying what life had to offer until we realized we were more than just mind and body. In different ways, we discovered we each have a soul that's not satisfied until it's found its rest in God. Finding him and discovering what he, uh, that he's kind and merciful and good, it changed our lives for the better. Life is now richer. It's less fleeting. We have hope, joy, and forgiveness. But if this sounds like self-help, it isn't. Each of us discover or will discover there comes a point when we have to admit that we cannot help ourselves. It's humbling, but it also, it sets you free. It's humbling to realize there's a God who knows everything about us, even those things that shame us. But it's liberating to know that despite knowing us at our worst, he still loves us. With God, there's no pressure to always be at our best. No need to put a mask or game face on. To be welcomed into God's family comes at great cost, not a cost to us, but to him. To reach us, to love us, to free us, and to forgive us, Jesus Christ came from the glories of heaven to this often unhappy place we we each call home. He lived as a man, experiencing all the joys and sorrows that we go through, and then he died on a cross outside Jerusalem. He died rejected by his people. He died being punished as if he was a great wrongdoer. He died as a condemned man. He died cut off from his heavenly father. Why did it happen like that? Well, the Bible's very clear. Jesus came from heaven to earth to take our place. He died so we we wouldn't need to be rejected. He died so we would not need to be punished. He died so we wouldn't need to be condemned. And he died so we wouldn't need to be cut off from God. That's what makes God's offer to this world so powerful. He doesn't offer what might be done. He offers what has been done. It's what the Bible preaches. It's what I'm trying to share with you through God's word. It's the best news you could possibly hear. It's changed our lives and I believe it could change yours too. So my final question to you is then this. Are you looking for what's truly important in this life and the next in what you and or the world has to offer you during this lifetime? Or are you looking for God to truly grant and gift you all this and more starting today? My final statement is this, don't let the wonders of the world God created 
including yourself, blind you from God himself. He's the only one that offers salvation. The world can never and will never offer you that. The world offers death. Jesus offers life. Choose wisely. So before we end today's show, I just want to thank you all again for tuning in. And I hope you were touched by God through today's message in scripture. I'd like to ask you a favor only if you've received any value out of today's show. Would you tell at least one person you know? Call them, text them, email them, talk to them. Tell them to give the show a listen. It may just help them in their walk with Christ. And I also really need your support. If you could give me a quick star rating or review on your phone app, it takes a couple seconds. I'd love that help and support, uh, which also will allow the Lord and Holy Spirit to reach even more lives through this broadcast. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact. You can also email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com or even call or text me directly for any reason. My cell phone is 407-493-3208. Again, that number is 407-493-3208. I'd love your feedback, questions, ideas, requests, criticisms, corrections. If it's important to you, it's absolutely important to me. And also, if you'd like to be a guest of the show, please reach out to me as well. If you have a life or eternity, uh, eternity changing story you'd like to share, please let me know and I'll schedule you in. We don't hear enough of the truth these days or the positive ways of God and Jesus Christ these days. This podcast, with your help, is going to help change that up. So I love, love, love your help with, the, uh, with this uh, where you can this second. So next week's episode is another powerful and do not miss episode. Thanks for joining. Until next time and next week, take great care of yourself and each other. And God bless you all.